You're listening to IBGR, our call sign for the Internet Business Growth Radio Network. The broadcast frequency is our URL, and that's IBGR.network. We provide live and record shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on what an entrepreneur or small business consultant needs to grow their operation from zero to big. How big? Up to you. IBGR focuses on the 180 million English-speaking small business owners around the world in four major markets, North America, Australia, Oceania, the Indian subcontinent, and United Kingdom, Europe, and Africa. All of these six-hour cycles are delivered in six major themes, strategy, operations, sales, people, ownership, and consulting. The first four tracks, strategy, operations, sales, and people, are the day-to-day tactical issues all entrepreneurs face. The fifth track, ownership, takes the conversation to the next level. How can an owner working in the business make the transition to an executive of a multi-million dollar firm by working on it? Our last track, consulting, is for our brothers and sisters with the same mission as IBGR, helping small business owners grow. I bet you didn't know that 57% of everybody on the planet is employed by a small business owner. Let's team up and help business owners increase generational wealth for themselves and their family while creating good jobs in their local community. Our team has over seven decades of helping and building businesses. We have turned those years of existence into radio shows and downloadable tools that any entrepreneur, whether you're an independent contractor, solopreneur, or business owner, can apply immediately. All you have to do is download, listen, apply, and engage. Download the show notes that address current issues in your business. Listen to the show live or as a podcast. Apply the information and tools. Engage us with your experience and feedback. And if you really want to maximize your time spent with IBGR, join our community and have access to our toolbox. This just scratches the surface of what you will receive every day at IBGR. The opportunity to grow with us is only limited by your imagination and persistence. Let's grow together and put the world back to work. Thanks for listening. Our network, now known as International Business Growth Radio Network, Profit Radio. I'm Wendy Dickinson, your Catalytic Conversations host for today's show. I'm a business coach who works with owners and founders at the intersection of life and business. I have a special guest today, Mick Weinholt. 
who is the Schoolie Mitchell franchisee in the Richmond, Virginia area. Mick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Wendy. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you've joined us because we have an exciting episode today. We're going to talk about fixed costs. Okay, did any of you just snicker at that, that I said it was exciting? Anytime you get to save money, it's exciting. Absolutely. Yes. So stay with Mick and I, and you can work on your business during this hour. By the way, we'd love to hear from you in real time during the show. If you're listening live, or heck, even if you're listening to one of the recordings, you can always connect and interact with us on social media, on Facebook and Facebook Live, uh, sorry, Facebook, Instagram, same thing, right? LinkedIn and Twitter at IBGR Network, your profit radio. This is episode three in our e-lane at IBGR Network, and it's season three, pruning fixed costs for more than pennies. Go to our website at IBGR.network and download the show notes that I've written for you. Catalytic Conversations is all about working on your business. Here's a question for you. How much time do you spend working on your business? The ratio will depend on your company's business cycle, but a quick rule of thumb is the 20-80 ratio. Spend 80% working on your business or in your business and 20% working on your business. And the formula is enacted by IBGR Profit Radio. Four days of the week, we offer programming to guide your actions in finance, operations, customer and client sales, HR, or people. And every Friday, we offer you the space to work on your leadership and business. And today, we're going to be talking about those fixed costs. Mick, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career and then what drew you to Schooley Mitchell and what you do for the people that you serve? Sure, absolutely. Thanks again, Wendy, for having me. Uh, really excited to be here today and to talk with you. And so in, the best way to answer that question would be to say, after roughly 17 years in financial services, um, serving primarily consumers earlier on in my career and then serving businesses later on in my career, I decided it was time to step into a role where I could really help businesses at a much more deeper level. And that really centered upon, instead of providing some type of service to them that they had to pay for, mm -hmm. which there was certainly value to that, one of the things that really attracted me to the Schooley Mitchell opportunity was to be able to reduce costs for them without any out-of-pocket expense. So that truly became the opportunity to serve any business that I was working with and allow them to be able to reduce their costs and subsequently drive profitability. So often we've heard that profitability can become a bit of a dirty word, if you will, or that yeah. profit is a dirty word, and it really isn't. We all know that cash flow matters in a business, and profitability absolutely matters. And from a profitability standpoint, I was most attracted to being able to drive that in a meaningful way for various businesses of all sizes. Well, you know, one of the um, purposes of this particular uh, time slot in the IBGR lineup, Mick, is that we work with stage five businesses. We're speaking to businesses that have been through that huge profit growth. And these businesses are now, these owners are now at a place where they really need to focus on whether they're going to continue the business, reinvent it in some way, or are they going to pursue a sale? Are they done with it or close to being done? You know, that kind of thing. And I feel like one of the best ways that a business can, number one, become more attractive to prospective buyers, but second of all, to become more attractive um, as far as investors are concerned or when you're going to a lender, 
is to really have a tight rein on your numbers, specifically fixed costs for today. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, when you're typically looking at roughly 15 or 20% of your costs being fixed. Yes. That absolutely makes sense in order to be able to have a great handle on those. Right. And, and so with your work with Schooley Mitchell, what do you find are the areas where people have a tendency to overspend? Yeah, great question. What I would say is on the whole, oftentimes they're overspending on virtually every key element of their business. When I say key element, yeah, it really could be all kinds of different things. And I would say the reason for that is, is thematically, almost everyone is going to sign a deal or enter into some type of pricing agreement or service contract for whatever it might be. And they're going to kind of take this mentality of I'll set it and forget it. And as a result of that, over time, they tend to rather quickly begin to pay more than what's happening in the rest of the market. And of course, all of the vendors, all of the service providers, they love that, right? Every large company is trying to get more revenue out of their clients. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the whole, I would say that most fixed costs have a lot of room. But to your point, and the reason for that is, is so often, as I was saying, there's the set it and forget it mentality. Mm -hmm. We're really trying to focus on our business only 20% of the time, and oftentimes people aren't even spending that much time. So they're not even considering right. that set it and forget it. It's time to, to do a refresh on this and figure out, are we really overpaying con- considering the current market status? And oftentimes they are. One of the things that I work with my clients on is to build this dashboard so that and, and not necessarily the same dashboard that the controller or that somebody else on the management team might have, but as the owner, to really build out a dashboard with the metrics that would offer the messages that an owner would need to, to make a course correction or mm-hmm. even to circle back with some of those costs. I feel like this is probably an area that my clients haven't looked at as closely as they could have. I will say that I was in a conversation um, with a client probably two weeks ago now, and she was telling me about, um, because we were discussing how her profit margin has fallen. Mm. So shipping is an issue for her. Yeah. And and that is something that she's she's working on. She has not managed to be successful yet. Mm. But is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So shipping is a great example. Um, you know, the, the duopoly that's out there in terms of FedEx and UPS, yeah. right, is supplemented, if you will, by USPS and certainly some other providers. Um, but on the whole, you've got a, an industry there that's really set up for annual increases. And so while we've often grown accustomed to group health insurance rates going up every year. Oh, and don't they, though? That they, <laughs> that they do, well. yeah. Um, we often see uh, quite literally an annual increase. It's called a general rate increase, abbreviated GRI. It's got its own abbreviation, which means it's been happening for years. It's all part of the shipping industry in terms of the small parcel industry, where FedEx and UPS will typically raise their rates, and usually it's around 5% if you average it out in any given year. And they usually do that around between Christmas and New Year's or around the beginning of the year. And um, you get in a scenario there, whereas I was going back before this idea of set it and forget it, you might have someone who has signed a great deal or what they believe to be a great deal with either of the carriers. And then you get a couple of years down the road and you're 5, 10, 15% higher than you were. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense because actually this business, uh, this person bought this business three years ago. Mm. So that would have been about the right time. Sure. And at the that. beginning, I'm, I'm sure they were laser focused on the best possible deal. They probably mm-hmm. negotiated a really good deal at the time, but or, things change over time. It's also possible because they purchased the business that they just carried on. Absolutely. That could have easily happened as well. I mean, even if even if somebody buys a business in it and they've, they might have signed new contracts, they might have been under the same terms. Agreed. You're so absolutely the right. other piece of it that I'm curious about is, and I'm thinking about those of you, those of our listeners out there who are curious or thinking about possibly um, really taking a look at selling the business at some point. You know, I know a lot of companies will budget for certain costs, right? Mm. And as long as they don't exceed the budget, they, they're okay with it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we sort of call this um, the phenomenon of being on budget but overspending. Mm. And uh, the big reason for that is, is that you know, most folks are looking at what have we planned for, and then is the number between the dollar sign and the decimal point coming in around what we forecasted? And if so, we're in great shape. Well, the problem is, is that they don't really know whether or not that's an accurate number or a current number relative oh. to the rest of the market. So while they very well may be on budget, there's a good chance that they're still overpaying relative to any of the other um, peers or competitor businesses that they have. I feel like that's one of the nuances of the dashboard for the owner versus for other people in the company. Mm. Uh, Okay. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick two-minute break. Sorry we had a little trouble on the the front end there, but stick with us. And Mick and I are going to continue to talk about how do we trim these these fixed costs to improve profits. And by the way, why don't you stop by our website, join us, and become a member of our Insiders Network or our Community of Commerce, and join in, click the link, And connect and interact with us on social media. But if you also go to that orange question mark at the bottom right-hand corner of the website, you can ask Mick and I questions. We'd love to hear that. So you've been listening to Catalytic Conversations with my guest, Mick Weinhold of Schooly Mitchell. It's episode three of season three, pruning fixed costs for more than pennies at IBGR Network. We'll be right back. Sign to the Internet Business Growth Radio Network. The broadcast frequency is our URL, and that's IBGR.network. We provide live and recorded shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on what an entrepreneur or small business consultant needs to grow their operation. Nothing's good, the news is bad. This is William Eastman, managing partner for GrowthWorks Media and station director for IBGR. One of my jobs is finding great on-air talent, consultants and business owners with presence and a story to tell. We're expanding our broadcast team to represent our four core time zones, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the Philippines, the India subcontinent, and the last of four, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe, and Africa. If you are a small business consultant or business owner and would like to audition for an on-air slot in our six-hour show cycle, Contact the station director, and that is at programming at btr.network. We will respond to your email within one business day. Thanks for listening, and don't miss this great opportunity to put the world back to work and grow with us. Thanks. Is your CRM making your business grow? 
When surveyed, about 90% of business leaders admit that their CRM isn't. The most common cause for that? Salespeople don't use their CRM the way they should. Why not? Well, it takes them too much time and discipline to fill out their CRM completely. And if salespeople don't, the CRM system becomes useless. That's why when we started Salesware, we asked ourselves, what if we build a CRM system that fills out itself? What if we build a system that surfaces existing data so that you know and remember all about your customers and never forget and disappoint another lead? That's what Salesforce does today. It pulls in all the data buried in your emails, email signatures, calendar, phone, social data, company databases, email and web tracking, and offers it to you in an easy way so you and your CRM are always up to date. Want to see this for yourself? Head to salesforce.com and get your free trial. IBGR.network. IBGR is our call sign as a radio station, but guys, we are so much more than a radio station. We're a network. We're a community of commerce. I'm your catalytic conversations host, Wendy Dickinson of Ascend Coaching Solutions, working with business owners at the intersection of life and business. And this is episode number three in our third season, pruning fixed costs for more than pennies. You've Folks, you guys know COVID-19, racial reckoning, economic uncertainty, the upcoming election. Oh my gosh, each one of these things is a complex, impactful occurrence. And put them all together and the challenges that every business owner is ready to take up the fight, flight, or fle- fight, flight, or freeze reaction in our reptilian brains. McKinsey reported recently that some industries will take up to five years to recover. Others were able to pivot and navigate the new government regulations with some success, but in that messy middle are those business owners, like you, that are working through the complexity one step at a time. And we all know that small and medium-sized businesses have sustained most of the economic punches of this crisis. So we understand that every owner's experience is different. We get that. And, you know, Mick is not proposing that there's a silver bullet, neither am I. There's no magic, no wonder pill. But we do suggest that you really take a look at this this profit formula, that your financials equals, picture this, parentheses, your operations and your customers or clients and your people, parentheses, multiplied by you, the executive. You are the amplifier. You are the multiplication variable in this equation. And today is your day to work on your stage five business. So your owner experience is your own. Your business may be similar to others, but it's all being done by you. And we want you to use us and this show to act as a catalyst for change. So use catalytic conversations to propel your business to profitability by creating an owner experience that contains leadership of self, others, ideas, and results. So 
Nick, I'd like to really turn our attention to some of the problems and challenges that owners face when they're really trying to look at their fixed costs. Yeah, absolutely. So I think let's start sort of holistically here and thematically. Great. And that would be the the idea that businesses ultimately only know what they're individually paying for any service that they have. Right, okay? right. So they might be in, an, in, a, in a group of peers, but there's not necessarily going to be that much information that's shared back and forth. Mm-hmm. So on the whole, I think the easiest way to look at it is, is that they only know what their individual business is paying for any particular service. Now that might be for group healthcare, that might be for shipping as we were talking about in the last segment, mm-hmm. that might be for all of their telecommunications needs. Oh, that's another big cost. Absolutely. I mean, wireless dominates in this space, but mm-hmm. what business on earth doesn't have a phone? Right. Absolutely. So there's always an expense there, and certainly every business on earth has an internet connection these days. Many times those are, of course, combined or provided by the same supplier, which allows that supplier or vendor to even be more entrenched in the business and more so for the business owner to just say, oh, well, we're with whomever it may be. We're fine. We'll keep going with what we have. And you know, Mick, if we're going to be holistic about this, let's also say it's a holistically painful process. It absolutely is. Yeah, change is not comfortable for anybody. Well, and that whole idea that you're trying to negotiate your best possible price, somebody on the other end of a line somewhere is telling you that you're getting a deal. But are we? Are these business owners really getting a deal? Yeah. So that's what, what you're really describing there is is putting us right on the cusp of this idea of an information imbalance. Right. Because the person on the other end of the line whom we're negotiating with as a business owner is saying, hey, you've, you're getting a fabulous deal here. In fact, I'm giving you, say, a 40% discount off of our normal book pricing. You should feel fabulous about this. But let's go back to what I was mentioning just a moment ago. You only know what you're either paying or about to pay. Right. Whereas that provider, the person represented on the other side of the other end of the line, knows exactly what everybody in your zip code, your region, even your country and across the globe is paying for whatever that service might be. Mm-hmm. And that information imbalance really favors that vendor or that provider. It certainly does. Wow. And and so going back to something else that we mentioned in the earlier segment, so as long as somebody's within budget, they may not question the amount they're paying. Absolutely. Or they might take a, uh, a new or a refresh discount that's of very little meaning other than emotionally because mm-hmm. they've been with that vendor or that provider for a long time mm-hmm. and walk away feeling great about it because it helps to lower their number but doesn't help to lower their number relative to what the rest of the market is paying. Right. You know, I have to say another objection that I hear a lot from my clients is that they feel overwhelmed anyway. They have so many, well, the world today, as I open the segment with, there's so many challenges, right? So then they're also trying to make the best decisions for their business, for their employees, for their families. And and so a lot of times they don't feel like they have the energy to mm-hmm. do something more. And they certainly, and, and at times when I advise, oh, why not bring this person honest an advisor or I'd like for you to meet this person and you're like oh my gosh I don't have the time I don't want one more person to deal with except it could result in real savings especially on these fixed costs yeah absolutely and so I think one of the advantages there is to work with someone who does work similar to me in that Mm -hmm. as a cost reduction specialist as someone who comes in and helps to optimize other businesses they really can offload 
all of the time constraints that they have. And they can offload the fact that, that they don't have the expertise right. um, or any of the marketplace intelligence. And that's the type of thing that someone in my position or others can really help an organization with. Um, and there's lots of models that allow for that to be done without any out-of-pocket expense, even to that business owner. Well, and it's really, I mean, how much does your initial meeting take? How much time? Yeah, typically it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it'll run as long as 40. It just depends on how wow. long the um, the client is interested in getting under the hood. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the time investment is roughly 45 minutes. Yeah. They have to perhaps pull some invoices or provide certain data access. Mm -hmm. That happens certainly on a confidential basis. Mm -hmm. And then you've got someone like me and the team that sits behind me off to the races to do the work that we're really experts at. Yeah. And, you know, I we mentioned a moment ago benefits. So that's another cost that I think are, talk about a guaranteed rate increase. I don't know what they call it in the healthcare field. but Right, yeah, the renewals. Oh, there we go. Renewal. It's right. open season. It already feels like you're a target, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, season. well said. Yeah, I was like, ooh. Yep. But, you know, I, Deborah, Willis is a colleague of ours with PPG Solutions, and um, she is somebody that I like to refer my clients to because she, like you, I mean, I know you don't do healthcare benefits, but I just look at how much people are, are, are paying, and even though we complain, we feel pretty powerless as business owners at times to feel like we have to have insurance, so we have to pay these pay increases. I mean, again, I feel like a target. Yeah, you're you're spot on with that, and and pardon the pun there of you feeling like a target. Um, but Deborah, I think, does a fantastic job of helping organizations step away from that eight to twelve yes. percent annual renewal. Ooh, yeah, and I mean that's just really a number that's insane. Yes, and I mentioned earlier in the previous segment that you're looking at a general rate increase with mm -hmm. FedEx and UPS. That's that's this year projected to be around five percent. Mm -hmm. But that's that's two industries where you're talking about significant growth year over year yeah. in expenses and the beauty is is that when you work with the right partners in your business you really can step away from some of those increases we all get the fact that there very well may be increases but we need to make sure, sure that all of this stuff is right sized or optimized for the business and their needs especially as businesses evolve yeah, because the other thing that occurs to me is is that it's really easy to make some of these more ephemeral sort of cost savings that disappear over time, right? So I, I think to, in order to be a really sustainable company and to be an attractive acquisition target, I'm going to use that word in a more positive <laughs> way now, um, a more attractive acquisition target is that you've got to have a cost structure that's sustainable. And I think that's where you really look at structural changes as opposed to these more fly-by-night changes kind of thing. Yeah, great point. Yeah. The other thing I just want to touch on before we head to our, our break is people get into habits. Now, you know that with my clients, we look at habits. We look at patterns of behavior. And sometimes it's easier to do the same thing with the same person over and over again than it is to make changes. Do you ever run into that? See that all the time. Mm. Yep. The pain of change um, really isn't often as painful as people think. 
And when I'm describing change, and perhaps we'll talk about this more in the next segment, the change that I'm often um, working with my clients on is not actually a change of vendor. It's really just a change of price. (gasps) So change does not have to be so scary for everyone. But on the whole, it tends to be scary for most folks. Well, and it's also annoying. Because then you've got to get to know somebody else, right? At at least that's how my clients act. They're like, oh, that's, you know, that's not something they want to do. But I I really think that's interesting. So if, if they, if someone were to sit down with you, you might get a better price with the same vendor. So it's not like it's really any more work for the person. You know, that's what I'm talking about as far as with clients to make these structural changes to really add that to their dashboard so that then they could circle back with whoever their consultant was, if it happened to be you or somebody else. Right. But they could give you a call in a year. You could put that reminder on your phone and, and then in a year say, Mick, could you take a look at this stuff just to make sure that there aren't any opportunities here to make some additional changes? Yeah, and I would say even better than that, that's actually how I structure all of my agreements with my clients. Oh, nice. Is that I'm alongside of them for the duration of usually a 36-month agreement. And that allows wow. me to manage on their behalf the vendor relationship because businesses evolve a lot over a 36-month period. They, they do. shrink, they, they grow, do. there's new behavioral characteristics mm-hmm. that happen inside of the business, and we can perhaps talk about some examples of that um, yeah. in the upcoming segment. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, folks, we're going to go for a break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. But I'm Wendy Dickinson with Ascend Coaching Solutions and Catalytic Conversations with Mick Weinholt of Schooly Mitchell. And this is IBGR, your profit radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. business grow? When surveyed, about 90% of business leaders admit that their CRM isn't. The most common cause for that? Salespeople don't use their CRM the way they should. Why not? Well, it takes them too much time and discipline to fill out their CRM completely. And if salespeople don't, the CRM system becomes useless. That's why when we started Salesforce, we asked ourselves, what if we build a CRM system that fills out itself? What if we build a system that surfaces existing data so that you know and remember all about your customers and never forget and disappoint another lead? That's what Salesforce does today. It pulls in all the data buried in your emails, email signatures, calendar, phone, social data, company databases, email and web tracking, and offers it to you in an easy way so you and your CRM are always up to date. Want to see this for yourself? Head to salesforce.com and get your free trial. This is William Eastman, managing partner for BrokeWorks Media and station director at IBGR. If you listen to any of our broadcasts, you know we consider all entrepreneurs part of one family. People who are the heroes of our societies because they put their soul into the game and risk failure for everybody else. We want to meet and get to know everyone, like having a family reunion. Plus, to provide the highest quality of programming, we need to hear from you. The place to start is to become a subscriber. Every week we will send you our broadcasting schedule links to show notes, 
and occasionally a gift like something practical from our toolbox. It is simple to do. Go to our Join Us page, sign up, and become part of the most important global community, entrepreneurs. Never forget, we create over 50% of the jobs around the world. We look forward to meeting you. with Catalytic Conversations here with my special guest, Mick Weinhold of Schooly Mitchell. Mick, it's so great to have you on the show. I'm having a great time today. I'm having a fantastic time. Thanks again for having me. Well, I'm glad you're here because it always makes me really happy to share with business owners ways to save money and increase their profits. And I really want to hit home to our listeners right now that there is so much they need to know they don't know. No one's to blame for that. It's just how a lot of these systems are set up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we talked about this in one of the earlier segments, this whole idea of an information imbalance. Yeah. And that is, is that virtually all of the vendors that they would be using or suppliers that they would be using have more information that, than they, the individual business owner, business leader has. Mm-hmm. And it's just simply the nature of the beast. And that's really why um, that information imbalance favors that vendor or that supplier. Mm -hmm. So what we recommend is kind of the antidote to that is to partner up with someone on your team, meaning bringing someone in from the outside that might be a CPA, that might be anybody else that's that's part of your sort of leadership team um, or partner group, or someone like a cost reduction specialist or business optimization specialist like what I do with Schooly Mitchell. So a quick example of that would be I'm able to bring to bear for my clients data from 23,000 other clients. Wow, 23,000. Yeah. So you know wait, wait. So you know how much let's say every one of those 23,000 businesses who have Verizon is actually paying. Absolutely. It's sitting in our database and what we're able to do is slice and dice and parcel out the same exact size and behavioral characteristics of the client that I'm working with, current state, and wow. look at all of the other data that we have on them. And that's what partially helps us to write that information in balance. And I say partially because the other element are really the analytics that we use and mm. the negotiation practices that we have. So a quick example of that would be, we will go and get competing offers from other vendors that we know are bona fide based off of the exact needs of my client, okay? Oh, wow. So we always start with my client in our consulting process to know exactly what it is that they have, what it is that they need, because what they have isn't necessarily what they need. Perhaps they have more than they need, perhaps they have less than what they need, especially as they're growing and evolving, which is something I've mentioned a number of times. Mm -hmm. So we look at and essentially establish a baseline, and then we'll go and get offers from competing vendors. Then we're able to use the competing vendors' offers to go back to their incumbent vendor. Now, do you do that? 
you like I'm using Verizon again because you know I have a tiff with them right now. <laughs> so they're on my mind. I do. Oh, uh, just yeah. one of the reasons why I'm so happy you're here. But so you would go back to Verizon? Yeah, so I actually have a team of analysts that I work with very closely. Mm -hmm. So my primary function is to know exactly what I need to know about the business and to help them understand where they're going mm -hmm. and whether growing, shrinking, etc. And then I turn that information over to all of my experts that will go deep on the data. And by that, I mean they'll look at all of their invoices, they'll audit those for errors, and they'll audit wow. them to see the behavior patterns that occur. And a quick example of that might be, in the shipping space, how much of the business is being shipped to residential addresses versus commercial addresses? Because pricing structures in that world can very easily be set up to favor one over the other. So you could have a, a provider give someone a fantastic discount or what feels like, feels I'm like. Em emphasizing feel, thank yeah. you, what feels like a fantastic discount and we'll just have fun with this one. So they got a 99% discount on international shipping. But if they never ship anything internationally, then that's nothing but a throwaway feel-good. Right. right. So we're able to look at all of the data that's happening inside of the business off of their invoices because we have analytics that can begin to reveal what's occurring. And then subsequently work with that same vendor and work with other competing vendors to determine what is the right size structure for their service agreement or their pricing agreement in order to make sure that all of that is optimized for them. And as a result of that, we're creating savings and then delivering ongoing value. Okay. So that is super interesting to me that then, because that's another, you know, going back to the objections that I often hear from clients about not wanting to get with additional advisors. So one of the people, in, you know, we're talking about dashboards, right? I'm always talking about to my clients about building their dashboard to get those metrics, to read that message, because if they want to sell their business or let's say they want to pass it off to the next generation or get an investor, they are going to need to have a very strong showing of their profit structure or their cost structure of their their revenue generation and ultimately their profits right so what i like about this is this is an opportunity to look at what before and i'm going to use the old darden school adage of every cost in the short term is a fixed cost and every cost in the long term is a variable cost so what we feel like what many of my clients feel like is that they're locked into a fixed cost on something could really manage to to um, convert into some meaningful cash, which then would allow them to invest either more in the business or invest those earnings in some other way, which generates more profit. Couldn't agree with you more. So what I find is, is that I'm saving on average for my clients roughly 28% across the categories that I'm working with them on. Wow. So if 20% of their overall budget goes to fixed costs, and then you're saving them 28% of that 20 that's significant. Absolutely. And to your point, so from just moments ago, the savvy business owners, savvy business leaders, they're all thinking about generally two things, at least thematically. And that is, how can we grow top line revenue right. in order to grow profitability? Right. Yep. Okay. Or how can we reduce expenses in order to grow profitability? Mm -hmm. Well, I help with the latter. And to your point, we can certainly move the needle in a substantive way. Mm -hmm. And then that really does free up dollars to be reinvested 
on the top side of that equation. Yeah. So perhaps it's more um, education for the sales staff, okay? Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's more dollars going into marketing now just to, right. again, drive more business at the top of the funnel. Yeah, and, and the other piece I like about it, I'm going to circle back to the, the feel-good benefit of the, mm. you know, you save 99% of your international <laughs> shipping, but you don't ever ship anything internationally. If you were going to sell that company, they your prospective buyer in due di diligence would be uncovering all of these things and saying, okay, we're going to now renegotiate the sales price because actually you're not worth as much as you think you are because you're just soaking in these costs. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's almost oh. akin to the, um, you love the paint color, but your buyer doesn't like the paint color. Right. You know? So paint everything white. <laughs> well said. Yeah, you know? Yep. And it's like, okay, but that may not, again, you may not be able to get top dollar for your company if you painted everything white. You've got to really know your numbers. You've got to have a handle on that. goes back to that dashboard, listeners. All right, so now, Mick, let's just take a look. We've got a few more minutes before we go to our next um, our next break. But what I'd really like to take a look at is sort of that um, idea of onboarding these additional experts. Mm -hmm. So you've already said that, you know, it takes like 20 minutes to 45 minutes for your initial visit. I don't know. I feel like that's time well spent. Yeah. And my clients end up seeing, seeing that exact same type of outcome as well. And so then if you guys are able to come in, renegotiate the terms, let's say you don't have to change your vendor, that's a time saving too. Huge time saving. So eight out of 10 times that I'm working with a client, we don't need to do a vendor change at all. Mm. So one of the advantages to what I bring to the table is things we've talked about thus far. Things mm -hmm. like data on 23,000 clients, a whole team of experts and analytics that really know what they're doing, mm -hmm. and then our negotiating practices that I was kind of outlining earlier. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this isn't a one and done or a hit and run type of scenario. I mentioned in one of the earlier segments that we stay on with the client for typically 36 months and manage all of those vendor relationships. That also includes at the beginning, if there are any changes that are needed, either with the incumbent provider or standing up a new service, we handle virtually all of that for the client as a value add to them. You know what I'm also thinking about? If somebody has their, and I'm thinking about one client in particular, they have their admin, their executive assistant handle mm -hmm. a lot of these kinds of things. If that person was then freed up to look at things like depreciations or amortizations and insurance, do you guys do you guys do anything with insurance? No, but we have some wonderful partners. Okay, so that's another example, though, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, and then negotiating with landlords. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is having the opportunity to work with a company like yours, Schooly Mitchell, you could see what the process is like. So then, you know, you could bring other people in your on your team in as an owner, I could bring other people on my team Correct. in to see how this process works. And then we could apply that process to other areas of fixed costs and perhaps be able to renegotiate some other Very savings. well said. Yep. Absolutely. Interesting. So, wow, that has so much potential, doesn't it? It does. And then to bring in somebody like Deborah Willis with PPG Solutions for healthcare benefits, I mean, there are just a lot of opportunities here. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and then we come back. 
Mick, I'd really like for us to tell people what they should do. Really some action steps here. Perfect. All right. Awesome. So folks, this is Wendy Dickinson with Catalytic Conversations. And I am with you with IBGR Profit Radio. Please visit our website at ibgr.network. Click on that little question mark at the bottom right hand corner and ask Mick and I a question. Give us some feedback or comments. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also join our community of commerce. I also want to say hello to our listener today from Alaska. Welcome, Alaskans. So glad you guys are here today, as well as those of you in Canada, Australia, India, and England. We're so glad that you're with us in the community of commerce at ibgr.network, your profit radio. This is Wendy Dickinson with Ascend Coaching Solutions, hosting Catalytic Conversations with Mick Weinholt of Schoolie Mitchell. And Mick and I would love to hear from you, so use the break to shoot us a question. We'll talk to you soon. Stay tuned. station director at IBGR. If you listen to any of our broadcasts, you know we consider all entrepreneurs part of one family, people who are the heroes of our societies because they put their soul into the game and risk failure for everybody else. We want to meet and get to know everyone, like having a family reunion. Plus, to provide the highest quality of programming, we need to hear from you. The place to start is to become a subscriber. Every week, we will send you our broadcasting schedule, links to show notes, and occasionally a gift like something practical from our toolbox. It is simple to do. Go to our Join Us page, sign up, and become part of the most important global community, entrepreneurs. Never forget, we create over 50% of the jobs around the world. We look forward to meeting you. Nothing's good that news is bad. This is William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Station Director for IBGR. One of my jobs is finding great on-air talent, consultants and business owners with presence and a story to tell. We're expanding our broadcast team to represent our four core time zones, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the Philippines, the India subcontinent, and the last of four, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe, and Africa. If you are a small business consultant or business owner would like to audition for an on-air slot in our 6 Hey folks, we're back. Line. Happy Friday. This is Wendy Dickinson with Catalytic Conversations. You're listening to IBGR.network. IBGR is our call station, call sign as a radio station, but we are so much more than a radio station. We're a community of commerce. So join us. This is episode number 3 in our third season of ibgr.network, pruning fixed costs for more than pennies. Go to our website and download the show notes because Mick and I have so much in those show notes for you guys. Mick, I'm so excited about this. Telling business, 
owners what they can actually do because one of my clients I know is paying too much in, in credit card and debit services. You can just sense it, can't you? Oh, I know it because I've seen their numbers. <laughs> I mean, it's like, whoa. So, so, wow, whoa. So, we're early. Sorry, folks. <laughs> we want to talk about costs, saving costs. And one of my clients I know pays too much for client and uh, credit card services. I know Schooly Mitchell does some stuff with that. So tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start really high level here and then we'll quickly get into the specifics. Okay. okay. But I think your listeners will be really intrigued by the number of trillions of dollars that transact in the U.S., in credit and debit card transactions. So take a wild yeah. guess. I've given you a hint already, but how many trillions do you think it is? Oh my gosh, it makes me cringe to think about it. All right, well, you keep three. thinking. That's a great guess, a great guess. And and three is a big number. But 2018 was the last year that the Federal Reserve released the figures. They do okay. it every three years. So we've got another refresh coming up here next year. Okay. $7.08 trillion <gasps> happening just in credit and debit cards, folks. So we're not talking about anything ACH, nothing oh. wire, not all electronic payments, oh. just in credit and debit cards. That hurts me. And it hurts me too. And here's oh why gosh. I want to go into this for all of our listeners' sake. Yes. And that is, is that people are paying for their revenue. Okay, As a business, if you're accepting yes. credit and debit cards, that is revenue to you and you're paying for it. And I would argue, as you were just saying eloquently moments ago, that you have a client that's overpaying yeah. for that revenue. Yeah. Okay? So you can imagine if we've got a $7 trillion industry, somebody's making a lot of money. Okay? Yeah. And, and what I, I really object to about this is that the, our listeners here, Mick, are people who have started these businesses, who have taken them blood, sweat, and tears, Right. They have taken, given part of their lives to these businesses, and they're hoping to fund their retirements. I mean, like 63% of business owners are hoping to fund between 70 and 80% of their retirement through the sale of their business. So if they're not generating revenue, the most revenue possible, it, it's tragic. Absolutely. Both in current state and then also as they build for retirement. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that we'll do is we'll come in and we'll help an organization and we'll look at all of their merchant services accounts, okay? And we'll structure with either the incumbent vendor or with a new provider um, the right type of pricing that will really help them. And one of the beauties that helps me sleep at night is, is that I don't serve as a vendor of any of the areas that I consult in at all. So I sit entirely on the same side of the table with all of my clients. Yeah. and fully act as a fiduciary to put their best interests first. Yeah, so it's advocating. You're advocating clear, straight up. 1,000%. Yeah. With having all of my marketplace intelligence and mm -hmm. my expertise behind me to be able to do that on their behalf. Because, again, the average business owner does not have access to that information. Of course not. And going back to what we've talked about in some of the other segments, they're always relying on what they felt like and have been anchored to as a good deal. Mm -hmm. So a real quick example inside of merchant services is that there are three generic pricing structures that exist in that industry. There's fixed pricing, where every single transaction that you take is roughly the exact same amount. 
Okay. Then there's tiered pricing, which is a little bit more complex, and it falls into three different categories, and they're indicative of the level of risk of the transaction. The higher the risk, oh, okay. the more expensive it is for you as a merchant to accept it, generally speaking, the lower the risk, the less that you'll end up paying for that. And then there's a neat term called interchange. And interchange is sort of the fancy term that describes the network of Visa and MasterCard and sort of the base fees that everyone pays in any type of credit or debit card transaction. Okay. Okay, Mick, I have this expression on my face because you know that I'm a business <laughs> coach, but I am not an accountant. This sounds so daggone complicated. You're exactly right, which is... How in the world does anybody even read their know what their agreement really means? Well, oftentimes they don't, which is oh. usually why in the merchant services space, we tend to see a lot of business owners gravitating towards fixed pricing because it seems quite easy to understand. Okay. Well, the problem with that is that it is also the most expensive oh, pricing okay. model. So while it may seem the easiest and therefore may appear to be the best, it subsequently is the most expensive for you, business owner, to accept your own revenue that you deserve, that you worked hard to achieve oh. by winning that particular client. Okay. So how much? Okay. Let's say, let's say you have a small to medium-sized enterprise. Um, they are doing. Are most transactions now done, I would imagine, done electronically, right? Absolutely. And especially with COVID-19, really, oh, yeah, really so true. driving that even harder is absolutely a continued push towards the digital payment. So without giving away anything, for one of your clients, mm -hmm. about how much could someone save? Yeah, easily thousands of dollars a year. Easily. How much, how much, how much was that, could you say, could you give a ballpark of what that person had been paying mm -hmm. and then what they're paying now after working with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's take a um, an example of a business that's doing maybe roughly a million dollars. Okay, okay? great. Just, right, to, just as a good, good yeah, benchmark for us, right? Mm -hmm. So depending upon that different pricing structure that they have, mm -hmm. they could easily be paying thousands of dollars a month in terms of fees to the bank, yep. okay, or the merchant services processor. Um, right. Sometimes those are the same and not always, okay? And so they're subsequently taking maybe three and a half-ish percent out of their actual revenue stream, okay? Mm -hmm. We're oftentimes able to move that number down into the low twos. So you can start to look at, on an annualized basis, at literally adding another point to point and a half in terms of total revenue that can come in. Wow. Talk about a structural cost change. You got it. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That is huge. And over a period of five to ten years? Yep. And then if they happen to reinvest the money instead of... Oh, my goodness. Now, over a period of five to ten years, think about it. Almost every industry has external price pressures on sure, that. Sure. We talked about what seems like some exceptions to that. You know, we've got group health. We've got shipping. Those seems to go up. But yeah. so many other industries are sort of a race to the bottom. And that's why, as I was mentioning in one of our other segments, that we're alongside of our clients for 36 months to make sure that we're taking care of them mm. as they evolve, as the marketplace evolves and more yes. cost pressure come in for those vendors, the vendors are absolutely not going to proactively go to their existing client base that's paying more than what they need to then charge to win a new client, right? right. And that's ultimately where our expertise comes in and we'll renegotiate on their behalf. All without having to, eight out of 10 times, change a vendor. 
Well, it's a beautiful thing. Here's the thing that you, you mentioned earlier about um, some, and I see it too, and I do it too, actually. It's like a, a box is checked. You know, like, I'm done. Okay, have my shipping. Check. Okay, have my merchant services. Check. However, what you're proposing is a relationship, that really you're building a relationship. And so that person, in a way, always has that advocate Without question. To work on their behalf. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, so as I recall, so there are, what, six areas that you work, that Schooly Mitchell will help with? Yep, absolutely. So we'll work with clients on their waste removal. And if you'll pardon the pun here, I'll tell the listeners, get ready for the pun, folks. Waste removal is a complete and utter mess, okay? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) So we'll work with them on waste removal. We've talked about merchant services just a moment ago. We briefly touched on telecommunications as we talked about some of the the pain points that you've had recently. Mm -hmm. Um, We also work with clients on shipping, as we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then two other categories, which are fleet tracking, which are essentially where are my trucks around town or what's happening to my truck on the job site. And the last one is e-signatures. Because oftentimes we're a consumer of an e-signature, not the provider of it. So we tend to think, wow, it's digital it's free sort of like my gmail account or my free email account right but the the sender of that request for signature is actually paying for that and most often they're overpaying for volume Mm, okay that's super interesting I would not have thought about that at yep. all. Because, again, we tend to come at a credit card transaction from the mm-hmm. concept of a consumer. I put it in. It was easy. The bank account just had the money debited. Or from a consumer mm-hmm. standpoint in terms of, oh, I just click here, and then you know my refi is done because all of my signatures populated for me. But there's always a cost to all of those things. You know, I, I just feel like so often that it it is... What we don't know can really hurt us, but it's where do we go and who do we trust with the mm. information and to get the information. Yeah. And I, I really empathize with business owners who are experts in their business and what the, the making of the product or the service is, but not necessarily in, in how to build this, this entity that becomes their business. Right. And that's really where the, one of the many values that you can add is yeah. helping them with the focus on the business as opposed to in the business because their strength is most often in the business. And exactly. there's nothing wrong with that. No one should be ashamed of that. In fact, we should champion that. But know that the smartest folks then say, I need other folks to come alongside of me. Oh, I think that is so wise of you to point that out because I do feel like, especially with this entrepreneurial kind of craze that we have going Mm. right now, and and yeah, there's a lot to love about being in business for yourself and owning your own company. It's also a very lonely place to be at times. And I do think that there's this expectation the business owner feels that they should know all the answers. And no one can know all the answers. No and, one. Yeah. And, and the stronger the business is, I believe, is a direct reflection on the willingness of the owner to seek out the information that they don't have. Absolutely. From the people they don't know. Yep. And to bring in people that they can identify as experts that are operating in an unbiased way. And I think that's a big thing to keep in mind. 
that you really you've got to look at someone's heart towards their, them as a client, and you've got to look at you know what their product set or their service set really looks like. And that's why we were talking before. I love sitting on the same side of the table with my client, as I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Mick, it was great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Folks, please download the show notes. I think you would find it really helpful. This is Wendy Dickinson with Catalytic Conversations at IBGR.network, Profit Radio. Next up, you'll be hearing from William Eastman in our E6 lane. He'll be working with you to implement your reinvention plan. You've been listening to IBGR.network, Wendy Dickinson. Have a great week, folks. Station director, and that is at programming at BGR.network. We will respond to your email within one business day. Thanks for listening, and don't miss this great opportunity to put the world back to work and grow with us.